You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Jennifer Jackson, welcome to Real Faith Stories. So good to have you on the program today. It's such an honor, Brian. Thank you. What I'd like to zero in on is the powerful impact that choosing joy has had in your life. Before we go there, please share some of your backstory and how you've been involved in ministry for so many years, and then what happened when you received your diagnosis of breast cancer. Well, I've been in ministry 31 years. I'm sharing my age, I guess, but (laughs) I was young when I got married. I remember in high school praying, God, I want to marry a pastor. I want to be in ministry. And even my school teachers thought I was strange. I had a guy that asked me out on a date once and I said, that's fine, but you need to know I'm going in in ministry. And I was very much had an idea in my mind that I wanted to serve the Lord. And so when God opened that door for me to marry my husband, who's he's eight years older, we I got married right out of high school. And we spent our first year in Israel. He won a, a contest at his seminary and was able to go to Israel for an entire year. And we studied overseas our first year of marriage. After that, we came home and we began serving in church and serving the Lord in that way. That's incredible, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. What a start to a marriage. It was awesome. We lived inside the old city of Jerusalem in the Armenian quarter. We met people from all over the world. We studied the Bible in the land of the Bible. Pretty amazing. I'll never forget traveling there with my wife several years ago and standing in the Garden of Gethsemane and looking at the trees that were as old as 2,000 years plus. <laughs> and yes. to think that those trees were there when Jesus was in the garden. Uh, and you see the branches that have been grafted in. Mm-hmm. When you think about Romans, where it says that we're grafted in, and along that path is my favorite church. It's in the shape of a tear. And it's just one room and the little window overlooks the city of Jerusalem and it's where Jesus wept over the city. And I always sneak away, (laughs) make sure I make it into the Church of the Tear. Oh, beautiful place. It's incredible. Was there anything specific in that experience in Jerusalem right out of high school and just getting married that springs to mind that you'd like to share? I think for me, seeing people from all over the world would come there to worship the Lord. And in the base of the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, we had a professor who was, he was renowned in archaeology, and he actually took just a few of us from our classes down to the basement underneath the basement of this church. And in the rocks, uh, Christians for centuries had come and carved little crosses, and then they carved a boat And it said, we came and we saw, and they had come from all over the world to see the place, you know, Golgotha. That was pretty neat. And the same professor, he'd just been down and it looked like dust to us. And he'd pick up a widow's mite and say, hey, look, guys, here's a widow's mite from the time of Christ. (laughs) He knew what he was looking for and we didn't. But yeah, oh, so many fascinating. I mean, the history, the archaeology, the truth that the Bible is the Word of God, and you can believe in it, you can stand on it. To me, that was cemented in my heart during Mm. those years in Israel. Moving forward then, after that year, tell me what happened next. Well, 
you know, we just came home and served the Lord in the local church. And that's really our heartbeat. We love to go deep with families and help them to grow in the Lord. We have seen God move in so many ways, sometimes in large crowds and other times in just homes and in people's lives. We've watched them accept Christ and then, you know, be baptized in water and the Holy Spirit. We've seen them healed. We've seen people delivered. I guess I have had the privilege of this bird's eye view of what God sees happening in the earth when you get to see a local church thrive and it's exciting. It's been very fun. Of course, there's sacrifices. Of course, there's pain along the way and mistakes and people disappoint or those kind of things. That's how it is in any field when you work with people all the time. But I've witnessed the goodness of God in the land of the living. I There's nothing in the Bible <laughs> that he doesn't do today. It's all relevant. It's the most up-to-date book you'll ever read, actually. And we've witnessed that firsthand. It's been a great ride. What would you say over these years has been one of the greatest challenges you faced and then one of the greatest joys? You know, for me, just it's very simple. (laughs) But when I see the church gather and, you know, they're singing and they're praising God and they're unified and you know the Lord is there, to me, that this is the body of Christ. And that is the most beautiful thing. It was God's plan. It was his vehicle for reaching the world. And the early church, you know, they made so many sacrifices that we would have the church that we have today. And to me, it's just quite simple. Sometimes I think about all the the small little churches that dot the nation, you know, the United States. What if each one of those were filled again to 150 or 200 people and oh, how that would change our nation. Mm. To me, it's the bride of Christ. It's so precious. I love the church and I'm thankful. I've I've learned to be a person of prayer and pray for our nation and pray for the church. It's definitely not perfect. We have our mistakes, but I love the church. And for me, I guess that the downside might just be the disappointments, you know, people move away or they choose a different path. And sometimes you pray so hard for something and you don't see it answered in the way that you expected or you thought and the disappointment can just pierce through your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, I don't understand. And some things I don't think we'll ever understand this side of heaven, but we know that God is faithful and we know that his word is true and he gives us free will. You know, we get to make a choice every single day if we're going to honor him and serve him and follow him. And he doesn't want us walking around as robots. He wants us to choose him day after day. And So I think sometimes when we don't or the people around us don't say yes to God, oh, it can get painful. But overall, it's been beautiful and wonderful. Well, speaking of choosing, you shared with me that you went through breast cancer and you chose consistent joy in the midst of that. And when we initially spoke, I thought, gosh, that's something that I would love to walk in personally, consistent joy. And I would suspect anybody listening to this would say, yeah, me too. So let's talk about that. I wrote a book, Simply Joy, Rain or Shine. I was shocked, absolutely shocked when we'd been, I guess, just a few months before the coronavirus hit when I had to go back for a biopsy. And I just 
I was walking around like a numb person. I, not me. I, I don't mm-hmm. even understand how can this be possible? And everyone says that. I remember how many people I've prayed for over the years. And, you know, this sounds horrible, but you think, oh, I'm just kind of glad that's not me. And you think, surely, hopefully that would never be me, right? I really didn't want this to be me. And I had, I'm a go-getter. I always have a list a mile long of things that I feel God has asked me to do and things that we're doing. And I'm like, Lord, but we had a plan and this is not in and it kind of went from bad to worse. So, I, you know, not only a biopsy, but just weeks later, I'm having a double mastectomy. Mm. And I came home, they put in a chemo port and it's just a, it's just a small, simple surgery. They say it's not a big deal. It shouldn't be a problem. It's just a tiny incision. And so a month after a double mastectomy, right before chemo, I have this tiny surgery. And in the process, they accidentally punctured my lung and we didn't realize that. And so I'm home with my husband and I said, honey, I just feel like you need to stay up with me. We couldn't figure out, am I just being a baby? I've been through so much. Why did this tiny port surgery, it shouldn't have been a problem. And he did, bless his heart. I slept in a recliner and he stayed up with me all night. I was having trouble breathing, thinking I'm just a big baby. And the next morning, miraculously, the surgeon just called to check on me. She said, you know, Jennifer, I couldn't sleep at all last night. And Mm. I wanted to check on you. And just hearing my voice on the phone, she said, I'll meet you at the ER. And I had an emergency surgery in the ER to make a long story short, where they fluffed up my lung. And in the process, I think there were 20 people in that ER and an oncologist is coming in and they, they're whisking my husband in and out. And it's that just that horrible, traumatic moment that no one ever wants to experience. And there's black scrubs for a certain, you know, for, I think those were for lung and green for heart and red for blood. <laughs> I mean, we had all these people in here and they say, this is going to hurt a lot and really quickly. And, you know, they couldn't even use anesthesia as normal. And I came through this procedure and I said to my husband, they whisked him back in. I said, Oh, don't you just want to worship the Lord? And the whole room was looking, they were looking at me with big bug eyes saying, (laughs) no, not right now. And I was like, I just want to sing. I just want to praise God. I just want to thank God. And I I couldn't get anyone else (laughs) to agree with me in that moment, but I just savored the presence of God for at least 20 minutes. I could feel the strong hand of God, almost like that right hand of God. I knew that in those moments I could have gone on or I could have stayed and God allowed me to stay for a purpose and a reason. And I just wanted to worship him. And we went from that experience. We didn't even have time to really think about it into chemo, immunotherapy, all sorts of different treatments and hormone blocking shots in the ovaries. The list goes on and on. And so that lasted two years. And in that process, I told the Lord, I will not miss out on joy in the midst of this. And I really dug in and studied joy. And it was a fabulous, I guess, a Bible study that I did, you would be amazed at how much God has to say about the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah 8.10. I really dove into it. So, as you dove into that, what were some of the aha moments for you? Well, I kind of realized the foundation for joy in our life is salvation, that at some point we have to put God first. We have to realize that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for 
all the yucky things. You know, not just our sin, but the yucky things, the depression, the sickness. He covered our rejection. I mean, Jesus on that cross, he was, I mean, in front of the whole community and his mother. I mean, he knew Shane. Mm. He knew all the sadness and the hurt and the pain and the difficulty. He really related to us. And so it starts with salvation. I learned that, the joy of the Lord. And once you have that foundation in your life, I think His presence walks you through joy in many other ways. I found joys in creation. You know, He's the creator. In John 1, He was there in the beginning of time. And so, I think He expects us to enjoy all the good things He's given us right here on earth. You know, the trees and the beauty and the water and the grass and the animals. And you can find joy there. There's joy in suffering because He suffered. And when you look to Him in that suffering, there's this sweet fellowship. It's almost like, yes, I know what that's like. It's like when you meet with a friend and you've shared the same difficult experience, you commiserate together. Mm-hmm. And there is something sweet when you share that with the Lord and He's like, I know. Oh, man, it was hard for me too on the cross. And you just have this sweet fellowship together. So many ways. Someone listening to this may say, joy and suffering? Really, Jennifer? Mm -hmm. How would you counsel somebody who's really feeling that pain right now to press into that joy that you Mm -hmm. speak of? You know, it's humbling, right? It's humbling when everything's not going as planned. It's not perfect. It's pretty miserable, whether that's your finances, your marriage, or your health. And you say, God, I can't. I just can't. I can't do this on my own. I need you more than anything. And it's really a prayer. It's almost as if whatever is inside that gut of your stomach just vomited out before the Lord and say, God, here I am. And I need you. And I need you now. And I list, you know, I'm a firstborn list maker, but, you know, I I love even listing out my prayers. God, you can't imagine, God, how long this list of problems is right now. And, And I'll just tell him. And in that process, he comes and he brings a great comfort and a great peace. And sometimes joy isn't giddy. It doesn't mean I'm jumping up and down and clapping because this is horrible right now. It means that he is with me and I have confidence that he's not going to let go. And I have to find a scripture for me. I have to find a verse and I hold on tight to that in the midst of those prayers. And I hide his word in my heart and I pray those scriptures because I need him. I Mm. need that. But he meets us there. It's just talking to him. Tell him. Tell him everything. So in the midst of that confession, how important is brutal honesty with the Lord? Oh, it's everything. You have to tell until you get to the root of the hurt and the hate or the hurt and the disappointment and the pain. You know, I determined at one point, okay, I could be really ticked at God about all of this because I certainly don't understand and when it's going from bad to worse. But I decided, no, I can ask God any question I want. And I did, but I didn't question who he was. I didn't question his character and his nature. I did ask him every question I could possibly think of. And some of them, he may not answer me right now. Some I don't understand still fully, but he has answered a lot of my questions. And he has shown me actually (laughs) some of the gifts along the way. Life is sweeter. I look at people within my immediate circle and my sphere so much. (laughs) I I linger there. 
when I look in their eyes, I linger there and I listen more. I have these elephant ears. I just wrap them around the people that I love and I savor it instead of rushing past everything because life is short and I want to enjoy it here now. And I certainly want to enjoy it with the Lord in eternity one day. In the book you wrote, what are some other pieces that you tend to share frequently about the whole concept of choosing joy? One thing is that there are stealers every day. People try to steal our joy and situations try to steal our joy. You know, we've been fixing up an old farmhouse and that's stressful, right? They say if you, a couple that wallpapers together and stays together, will, you know, you'll be together for <laughs> life. <laughs> but, you know, so we're fixing up this farmhouse on a tight budget. And, you know, there have been these moments and I said, you know what? There is nothing that is going to steal my joy in this process. I'm going to enjoy my husband. I'm going to enjoy this process and know everything hasn't worked out exactly right. But if you let something stupid like plumbing or electric or, you know, the wrong layout steal your joy, how foolish. And that those are the things that do, don't they? Toxic people, they come into your life and they want to just take all of the life right out of you. And I think you have to limit, you have to limit those joy stealers. And it doesn't mean that you don't ever pour in to toxic people and spend some time blessing them and loving them or helping them or giving to them. But there's a level at which they're now dipping into your joy reserves Mm. and you have to limit that. As a list maker, And somebody who, by virtue of being a list maker, tends to think future-oriented, right? How important have you found it to be rooted and grounded in the present? And how hard has that been to make that transition as opposed to living in the future, which I think is a joy stealer? Living now, you know, we can plan some things for the future with the Lord. I'm constantly saying to the Lord, okay, do you want me to do this or that? Should we go here or should we go there? And listening and waiting. So the future is in his hands. You know, my time isn't my time. It's his time. And I love to wake up and say, God, you are welcome to interrupt this day. You are welcome to make a change in my schedule or in what I do. And you think, well, that that would really limit productivity, Jennifer. But actually, when God makes the change, you are more productive. I work many hours. I never stopped working through cancer. And I just allow the Lord to make the changes that He wants to make. And if there's something that I want to do, <laughs> this may be simple, but if I want to eat dark chocolate, I eat dark chocolate. <laughs> if You know, I eat my veggies, I drink my smoothies, I do all of that, but I'm going to stop and enjoy the people and I'm going to laugh and I'm not going to let the tiny stressors take one more hour of my time. That is ridiculous and it's really not worth it to let those things take our joy. Was there a particular space and time where you made that conscious choice to not let those little things steal your joy, whereas perhaps in the past, maybe they did? I've always been a cup half full person, naturally. And I think if you're not, and that's okay, you might have to work harder at it. But all of us, even the half full, have to work at this. I'm a driven person. So for me, one of the joy stealers would be rushing. I would rush too much, and I would try to do too much in a small amount of time. And that would steal my joy. 
So I've had to learn to actually scale back and look realistically at my day and my calendar, what can be accomplished in a reasonable amount of time. But I traveled overseas many times into Kenya. When I went to Kenya, I learned this is true joy. And they didn't have anything. They didn't have the stuff that we have. I mean, they might have a broken flip-flop, but they had the joy of the Lord. And they had the presence of God. And they gave him first. They gave him time worshiping and singing. And I learned along that especially cemented that during that trip, that you can sing your way out of about any pit. That depression has to flee in the presence of God. You know, you think about when King Saul was depressed and he had David come and play the harp. And then, you know, those arrows were flying not too long after that. You can sing. When you sing to the Lord and you worship the Lord, the enemy in the presence of darkness has to bow. It has to flee. And so singing and worshiping God has been part of something that I do every day in the shower, in my car. I intentionally spend time lifting my hands, praising God, because when I do that, discouragement and depression and anxiety, they flee. It's a great secret. Now, that's a secret sauce, right? So, as you give the sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like it, How do you continue to press in? Just keep going until you sense that joy start to flow? It's when you definitely, that is the last thing on earth that you want to do, is open your mouth and sing. And if you can get those first words out, and if you can get that hand in the air, you'll know it. You'll know the breakthrough. I'll walk around my yard, even if it's a frozen tundra, I'll put my you know hat on and my boots on and I'll say, I am determined to worship the Lord. Mm. And it doesn't mean that everything is rosy instantly. No, but in the good times and the bad times, I will worship you, Lord. You, you'll see it. It, it works. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm almost in tears hearing this because that is a secret. It is a truth. So powerful. We have twin girls. When they were younger, one of our daughters was a gymnast. She used to do flips in the backyard while she was worshiping at the top of her lungs. Oh. You could hear it houses away. Wow. Childlike faith. Right. And guess what? She's now a worship leader. Isn't that cool? Oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Not that would be the end point for everybody that worships, but it was a very cool experience having the windows open in the spring and fall here. And hearing her outside. So, yeah, that's a incredible advice. Anything else, Jennifer, spring to mind that you tend to counsel people about when it comes to the whole aspect of being joyful? Well, you know, you can have confidence in the Lord to have a bold faith. People need that today. They need to know that you're not going to compromise the truth of His Word, the truth of His character and who He is. And when that's inside of you and you get it from Him, then you can pass it on. If you don't, you're going to self-implode. This is just from a girl's perspective, but you're going to live for fashion. You're going to live for decorating. You're going to live for food or whatever, you know, friends and vacations. And there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things. God, you know, he wants to bless us and do all those fun things. But if you just live for that, there's an emptiness and there's a coldness there. And I want to live for others. I want to live for the Lord and for others and to pour that back out into them. To me, that's where the real joy comes. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, you're just living for me, me, me. And there's an emptiness that'll be there. It's fleeting. One of the key things in your walk has been boldness. Let's talk about boldness for a minute. How has that been critical 
in your whole relationship with the Lord and with people? Well, I'm just not ashamed of God anymore. I want to let him know I love him. I want to do that in a gracious way. I want to do that in a loving way, not in a you're less than me way. Mm -hmm. That's horrible to do that to someone. So sometimes it looks like coffee in a relationship and getting to know them and listening to them and hearing them or giving something to them. But at the end of the day, they know I stand on the truth of his word. I worship God. I believe the gospel is truth. And we just can't back down from that. That's it's transformative. It's hope. It's life. It's salt. We need to know that. We need to know that we don't have to be ashamed of the Lord or embarrassed. So you would equate boldness with an uncompromising position with respect to yeah. the Lord. Yeah. And you know, that can be if you're a doctor, a nurse, if you're in business, if you're a lawyer, if you're a counselor, a teacher, why can't others know that you're a Christian? Exactly. I'm curious, what is the best way people can find out more about you, Jennifer? They can go to jennifer-jackson.org. That's jennifer-jackson.org, and they can find me there. Okay. And what is the name of your book again? Simply Joy, Rain or Shine. As we finish here, two things. First, what would be your parting wisdom that you would share with people? And then I'd love to have you pray for our listeners. Parting wisdom. Wow. I guess just to spend time with God. I know that sounds so simple. He actually wants us to take him off our to-do list and to simply be, just to simply be with him. He loves you. He's proud of you. He's not mad at you. And he just wants to be with you. I think sometimes we live in guilt and shame and fear that he's, you know, I've messed it up so bad. No, you haven't. He's just arms are wide. His Imagine the, the crossbars on a cross. Those are his big arms just waiting for a bear hug for you. Just come running back to him. That's He's just waiting there. Wow. That's so good. Thank you. Yes. Let's <laughs> please pray for our listeners. Absolutely. God, we thank you. We come to you today. We humble our hearts. And Lord, you know the situations, you know the questions, the areas where we need guidance and we need your help, your provision. We do need your wisdom, Lord. And we just want to say, God, that we love you and we honor you today. Lord, would you come, come into our homes and into our hearts and fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your joy, with your love. We need your peace. And we welcome you now into our lives. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the program. Loved hearing your story. I've enjoyed it so much. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.